Whether you're a pro athlete, an exhausted parent, or you spend all day in an office chair, CBDMD wants to give you the support you need to make it through the day. CBD Freeze and Recover are an outstanding duo of topical products with specialized formulas to provide targeted relief where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try Freeze, Recover, and every other CBDMD product, you can take 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com, promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. You are locked on Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend and happy Timberwolves game day. The Timberwolves are in Charlotte to take on the Hornets this evening. I want to preview that game today. Focus on, of course, the Anthony Edwards versus LaMelo Ball matchup. The season that LaMelo Ball's had so far, if you paid any attention at all to uh, this year's rookies or to Charlotte or I guess to the NBA at large, you know that he's having an incredible rookie season, but just how good and how good is it compared to Anthony Edwards? Take a peek back at my pre-draft board and where I had LaMelo Ball compared to Anthony Edwards in case you missed that or or are a, a new listener to the podcast. Um, I'm not. I'm going to try hard to not say I told you so, but let's just say I was high on LaMelo Ball. Um, and then today, I also want to take a peek at the Wolves roster and who they may look to trade and what what the last couple of weeks, minus Carl Anthony Towns and now also minus D'Angelo Russell, what that may have told us about the rest of the roster, the Wolves' depth and... Um, you know, ultimately who the Wolves may be willing to trade as we draw within about six weeks or so of this year's trade deadline at the end of March. So we'll do all that today and get you ready for the full weekend of Timberwolves basketball, including Sunday's game as well. Um, before we do all that, though, a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere that you like to get podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T Wolves. That's at Locked on T Wolves. Don't forget the T. Also, my account is at B Beacon. That's B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, let's jump into Wolves Hornets. So, Charlotte this season has probably been, certainly been better than expected. Um, they're well on pace to eclipse their over under total of 26 and a half, which, by the way, I incorrectly. Um, bet the under on in our, in our preseason over under show and also literally bet the under on in real life. Um, but they're 12 and 14, which is, which is actually, they've played a little better than that, right? I think they've had a little bit of bad luck. Um, their league net rating is really middle of the pack. Their offense and defense are, are kind of fluctuating, you know, around that kind of 15 to 20 mark, both of them. So they've, they've been, um, inconsistent, but not in a bad way. Um, I think everybody expected them to be one of the worst three or four, maybe five teams in the league. And they're pretty middle of the pack. Um, before we get into Edwards ball, Edwards and ball, the roster as a whole is pretty solid and it's really deep. And they actually haven't gotten that much from some players that they've expected to be very good. PJ Washington has been fairly disappointing to this point um, so far in the season. Malik Monk um, has been a bench piece. They've, they've had and, and been a little bit disappointing also, although his three-point percentage is, is in a good spot across the board. This team really shoots threes well. Um, they've had some injuries to deal with. Uh, you know, Monk's only played in 13 games. Cody Zeller's starting now, only played in 13 games. Um, 
Gordon Hayward has missed a couple of games, of course, still, um, you know, kind of reestablishing himself as a star and he's been fantastic this year for them. Hayward's actually shooting a career high percentage from beyond the arc. Um, you look at this team overall as a team, they're top 10, they're 38% from beyond the arc. That's 10th in the league. They have three guys shooting over 40%. Gordon Hayward shoots 42.6% from three point range at more than five attempts a game. Terry Rozier is shooting 44.2% on seven and a half attempts per game has been really good and showing that them acquiring him before last season was not a mistake. Malik Bunk, uh, despite not doing much else is shooting 47% from three and only 13 games, four and a half attempts a game. And uh, I mean, Miles Bridges has been mildly disappointed as well, but he's still shooting 37% from three. Devontae Graham's missed the last three games with injury, and he is questionable for the game against the Wolves, and he's at 36% from deep on eight attempts per game, averaging 15.6 assists, and is no longer the primary ball handler with this team, obviously, with uh, with LaMelo Ball running the show, but clearly means a lot. And And by the way, Charlotte's a pretty great example of having a pair of primary ball handlers playing together, which... I mean, I guess I'm just going there now because I ended up there. But if the Wolves had taken the mellow ball, everybody was worried about having Russell and Ball. Now, D'Angelo Russell and, and Devontae Graham aren't the exact same player. However, they're both, uh, they both love to shoot the ball and they're both point guards. And um, I mean, Devontae Graham for his career is a 37% field goal shooter, not a three-point shooter, field goal shooter. His career splits are 37% from beyond the arc, or excuse me, 37% from the floor and 35.7 from three. He did average 18 points a game last year, but he has not been an efficient player, yet he's still been better than D'Angelo Russell this season overall because he shot the three much better. He's shooting 36% from deep this year, and because he's shooting the three a lot over eight attempts per game, his three-point rate is over 65%, which means, I mean, basically over 65% of his shots are three-pointers. But when he's not shooting threes, he's getting to the free throw line. D'Angelo Russell's still living in the mid-range, and he's also struggling defensively, even more so than Devontae Graham, who's not a Devontae Graham, who isn't a great defender in his own right. The Hornets started the year with him as the primary starting point guard in the mellow ball coming off the bench, and now they're playing together. Devontae Graham's smaller than D'Angelo Russell. He's six foot one. Russell's six three, six four, um, and a big point guard. But Graham's holding his own defensively. The mellow ball's holding his own defensively, and obviously he's a huge point guard himself. And the Hornets have been pretty good over the last six when Ball has been starting. Um, Charlotte is three and three over their last six, which includes wins over the Heat, Wizards, and Rockets. Losses, though, are the Sixers and the Jazz, and then they did just lose by 16 to the Grizzlies this week, which wasn't great. But again, Devontae Graham has missed the last three. And the Hornets are just, they're just playing two point guards together, and it's working. And one of those point guards is LaMelo Ball. Um, and again, Devontae Graham's played better than D'Angelo Russell this year, but, uh, there goes one of the reasons, at least in, in a admittedly small sample size, why, you know, the, the reasons why the Wolves shouldn't draft the middle ball was you couldn't have two ball dominant point guards together. Now, of course the Hornets don't have a big man like Carl Anthony Towns, who's using a ton of possessions. I mean, you look at the Hornets usage rates and there's no big men on that list. None of their big men are using possessions. PJ Washington is eighth on the team in, in usage rate, or I guess, sixth if you take out the guys who are part-time players. Um, but, you know, LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, those are the guys using the majority of the possessions. And then secondarily, it's Devontae Graham, Malik Monk off the bench. But regardless, I mean, the it's not like the Wolves aren't giving the ball to Malik Beasley a ton either. So in terms of roster construction, the Hornets have a really deep roster. They need some help in the front court. Um, you know, again, PJ Washington's been a little disappointing. Cody Zeller has been very good as a, as a starter. They need a little more out of Miles Bridges, but 
um, you know, Bismack by Biombo is what he is as a, as a solid backup big man. Right. I mean, he, he still is a very good defender and could do enough offensively that you can play him. This is a nice roster. It's a deep roster. They just need a little bit of help in the front court, um, which I mean, the wolves do, I guess, beside cat as well. So now that we've kind of established that the Hornets are, are a pretty good team, they're an up and coming team. They're a team that's going to shoot threes. They're competitive defensively and a tough matchup for really anybody. Um, but, but it, I mean, definitely the Wolves. I want to get into LaMelo Ball's season so far and compare that. You know, it's obviously not apples to apples. The situations aren't quite the same, aren't anywhere near the same. But I want to get into into comparing their rookie seasons to this point a little over the third of the way through the season. Before we do that, though, let's talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props, and almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The promo code is locked on. Again, it's betonline.ag. Use the promo code locked on to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. If you are a loyal listener of Lockdown Wolves, you would have noticed there is a bonus episode in the Lockdown Wolves feed on anywhere you get your podcasts on Thursday evening. That was a bonus episode of Lockdown Today, which is the fa- fantastic brand new podcast on the Lockdown Network. You can get more of the sports news that you need in less time with the Lockdown Today podcast. The awesome Peter Bukowski hosts Lockdown Today. It's a daily podcast that breaks down the biggest stories and analysis from our local experts. You can start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Lockdown Today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk about LaMelo and Anthony Edwards and the seasons they've had to this point. Um, I mean, there's really no easier way to say this. LaMelo Ball's been better in virtually every way than Anthony Edwards to this point in the season. Go pick any stat you want. Um, LaMelo ball has been better. Both started the year coming off the bench and now both are starting. So now to this point, LaMelo's played in 26 games, started six. Anthony Edwards played in, has played in 25 games and started eight. Um, I mean, the only thing that you could say that, that Anthony Edwards has done better. Well, no, not even anymore. LaMelo ball actually leads in points per game too. If you want to look at straight volume scoring, uh, but just regular old field goal percentage, LaMelo ball across the board, field goal percentage, three point percentage. And, uh, I guess free throw percentage, Anthony Edwards has a very slight edge by just over, not even a percentage point, but in terms of free throw rate, LaMelo balls ahead three point percentage. LaMelo Ball's ahead. Across the board, in terms of rate-based statistics, assist percentage, obviously LaMelo Ball's way ahead. Steal percentage, block percentage, turnover percentage, of course, LaMelo's turned it over more often because he handles the ball far more often. Usage is even close. And then to me, the most alarming thing is, is rebound rate. Anthony Edwards has only rebounded at a 6.5% rebound rate this season. That is worse than Andrew Wiggins, far worse than Andrew Wiggins. Um, I, I get that Wiggins played the three and Edwards often is playing the two. I, that doesn't really matter. I mean, Edwards is still a physical specimen. He's he's smaller than Wiggins too. I know that, uh, but he's a, a freak athlete. He's got great length, um, great athleticism. He should be averaging more than, if you want to play the per game rebounds game, 3.3 rebounds per game, or in terms of rebound rate, six and a half percent. LaMelo Ball to this point is has an 11 and a half percent rebound rate, a 17 and a half defensive rebound rate. 
Anthony Edwards is 10.7% defensive rebounds. LaMelo Ball, for all the hand-wringing about his shooting, his his three-point rate, his frequency of shooting threes is exactly the same as Anthony Edwards. His three-point percentage, 35.9%. So basically 36%. Edwards is at 32.4%. So three and a half points better on the exact same three-point attempt rate. In terms of catch-and-shoot threes or pull-up threes, it doesn't matter. Edwards is much, much better on catch-and-shoot threes. Talked about that last week. He's actually close to 40%, but when he shoots flat-footed, when he pulls up and shoots off the dribble, he's much closer to 30%. I think he was like 32 33%. And LaMelo Ball has been, I mean, he's been really good at catch-and-shoot threes. Let me find the exact number. 39% on catch-and-shoot threes, according to the NBA Advanced Stats, uh, the second spectrum numbers. 36% on pull-up threes. So also, you know, obviously he's better on catch-and-shoot threes. Of course he is. But both of those numbers are better than Edwards on on catch-and-shoot and on pull-up threes. Um, and maybe that doesn't sustain itself. Again, we're talking about a third of a shortened season. So, you know, 26, 25 games. That's not what people expected. Everyone was worried about his 25% in 12 games in the NBL. The point I made, and, and I had some concern, obviously, too. I mean, you had to consider it. But the point I made in the pre-draft process when we spent basically six months over the spring and summer talking about this draft was that LaMelo Ball was the show for his team in the NBL. He was the one shooting all the shots. In some ways, similar to Anthony Edwards at Georgia, where they're just shooting difficult shots all the time because they think they have to to make their team win. Of 83-point attempts... Um, in the NBL for LaMelo Ball over the course of 12 games. And this is now according to Kevin Pelton is reporting this at ESPN as part of one of their ESPN Insider stories. Um, Synergy Sports says that Ball had only 15 open catch-and-shoot jumpers among his 80 attempts in the NBL. So that's going to contribute to that 25% shooting from three in the NBL. So if the shooting stays this way, then it's not close. LaMelo Ball's a far better player. Again, we're talking 25, 26 games. But that all matters. And the fact that that was the biggest concern and he's checked that box to this point says a lot about him improving as a player. It says a lot about it says a lot about how good he's been in every other area as well. Um, He's, of course, been a revelation in terms of his passing. I mean, he's done things that we saw from rookie Ricky Rubio that we saw from Spain, Ricky Rubio, um, that we, of course, have not seen recently. Um, And it's it's that whole that skill. And this is the thing I kept hanging my hat on pre-draft was Ball had the one skill in the draft that was clearly an NBA elite skill already and head and shoulders above everybody else. That was That's almost verbatim what I kept saying over and over. And if you listen to the show, show frequently, you probably got tired of me saying that. Anthony Edwards is a great athlete. He is explosive. All those measurements are true. He still could be very, very good in this league, but there's not one thing he does so well that you would say he's better than everyone else in the draft. Maybe athleticism, but there's other. there were other really good athletes in this draft. LaMelo Ball, his court vision and ability to pass was head and shoulders above everybody else in any other skill in this draft. And people got so hung up about his name and his family and the fact that he shot 25% over 12 games that somehow he falls to Charlotte third in the draft. Uh, I understand why Golden State didn't take him, but still the fact that he didn't go number one to the Timberwolves or that somebody didn't pony up and trade for the timber trade with the Timberwolves to take him at number one was shocking to me at the time. And it remains more so now. And if you've watched Charlotte, if you watched the mellow ball, it should be shocking to you as well. Um, this isn't necessarily an indictment on Anthony Edwards. I think it's just how good LaMelo ball's been. I mean, they're both 19. 
they're both on bad teams, although Charlotte is obviously better than the Timberwolves. And of course, the Wolves haven't had Carl Anthony Towns, so that matters too. And so you do have to consider how these situations are different. I mean, Edwards was basically asked to be the high usage guy in the second unit, and now he's being asked to fit between Malik Beasley and, and first D'Angelo Russell alongside them. And now between Malik Beasley and Carl Anthony Towns is kind of a de facto third option. But he's does he start when Russell's healthy? Probably. He's probably the starting three at this point, right? With Beasley. But then he, now he's the de facto fourth option after Towns, after Russell, after Malik Beasley. How's that going to work? Um, now, I talked about this post game on, on the Wednesday post game pod that posted early Thursday was uh, Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns in the pick and roll were fantastic. And so we'll have to keep an eye on that. And, and with D'Angelo Russell out, I didn't mention that in the first segment, but he's already been announced as out for the game on Friday night against Charlotte. Hopefully we see more Edwards and Towns operating together in the pick and roll on the floor together. And without this supreme concern to have the ball in Rubio's hands, trying to create for Malik Beasley, which is what happened in the third quarter on Wednesday. Now, I'm not saying don't keep the ball in Rubio's hands, but I think there has to be a healthy mix of, because otherwise, why is he on the floor? There has to be a mix of allowing Edwards to operate the offense with Towns, which is far more dynamic than operating the second unit with rookie Jaden McDaniels or Jared Vanderbilt um, or even Nas Reed. So all that to say, Edwards has not been in as advantageous as a situation as LaMelo Ball, where the coaching appears to be far superior with uh, with Borrego there in Charlotte. Um, the talent generally around him is much better. Obviously, they don't have a superstar like Towns, but Towns hasn't been on the floor in Minnesota. And the fringe pieces on the Wolves roster, well, exciting. And we'll talk a little bit about that here next segment. They, but they're all really young and they're all pretty unproven and exciting, yet not really truly producing at a winning level, obviously, the Wolves have won six games in, out of 25. Um, so the situation balls in is certainly enviable compared to Anthony Edwards. So I'm certainly not saying that Edwards is a, I'm not even going to say the word. I'm not, I'm not saying that Edwards is not going to be good in this league. I'm saying that LaMelo Ball has been incredible. And if you're comparing their seasons to this point, LaMelo Ball's had a better season. It's not close. I'm not saying that he is always going to be the better player, that Edwards will not be a good player. I'm just saying that to this point, it's not close. The results are in over the first third of their first seasons in the NBA, as crazy as that sounds. And the mellow ball has been really, really good. Anthony Edwards has had flashes. Um, oh, and one last thing. You look at LaMelo Ball's game log. He's already had one triple-double. He's had three uh, two-point rebound double-doubles. He's had one-point assist double-double, actually two. Um, he had a 24-10-7 game just two nights ago, or two games ago, I should say, earlier this week against Houston. They beat Houston by 25. He had 24-10-7, shot 7 of 12 from beyond the arc. Um, there's only a couple games in Anthony Edwards' game log that look anywhere near that nice, and they're not games that the Timberwolves won. Those were games where he helped pad those numbers late in games and, and blow out losses for the most part. So um, there's just another feather in the cap of LaMelo Ball. Again, not to denigrate Anthony Edwards, who I think has been impressive at times and is definitely on the right path. But I mean, LaMelo Ball should be commended for how good he's been to this point in his rookie season. I'm really excited to watch Wolves Hornets on Friday. Okay. Next, I want to get into what the Wolves might be willing to do at the deadline, What, based on what how the season's gone so far, how certain players on the roster have performed and what that might mean um, for the Wolves next. First, let's talk about our great friends at Built Bar. And there's exciting Built Bar-related news. Perhaps, they're, no, I'm going to say it is their best bar yet. 
delicious. It's fantastic. Built Bar has released a dark chocolate coconut brownie chunk bar. And if you've tried Built Bar before, you know that they're good. They taste just like a candy bar. I swear by them. I've bought them. They've sent samples and I have bought more of them <laughs> using, of course, the promo code Locked On. They are fantastic. There is a, a brand new Built Bar flavor that tastes, I mean, it, it tastes, again, exactly like a candy bar, but They've perfected the formula on these bars. It tastes amazing, and I, I can't recommend it enough. Dark chocolate coconut brownie chunk. It doesn't get any better than that. Also, they have cookie dough chunk built bars for a limited time only, and uh, they, they have a similar overall taste to them, but the, the dark chocolate coconut brownie chunk is amazing. Um, it's a limited time flavor, though. Get it today. It will be gone probably tomorrow, to be honest with you. So get the dark chocolate, coconut, and brownie chunk flavor. That's builtbar.com. The promo code LOCKDOWN will get you 20% off your first order, um, or actually your next order. If you've done it before, you can use that promo code again. I've done it. Um, that's builtbar.com, promo code LOCKDOWN, and enjoy the delicious Built Bar. Um, again, the protein bar that tastes exactly like a candy bar. Fridays on Locked On NBA. Join Anthony Irwin of Locked On Lakers and Adam Morris of Locked On Nuggets for a wrap-up of the biggest stories from around the league. Anthony and Adam bring you game recaps, weekend previews, and a weekly NBA power ranking you can't miss. Subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast today, wherever you get podcasts. All right. Um, specific to the trade deadline. Now, we're still a few weeks out. I think it's, I think it's March 25th is the trade deadline. Um, confirming that yes, it's March 25th. So we've got roughly six weeks, uh, I think six weeks yesterday for this thing to shake out players as of last weekend who signed a free agent contract in the off season can now be traded. Um, and so we're basically what could be considered trade season. Although, um, you know, you look at, you look at the, the league as a whole, the vast majority of teams could talk themselves into being in the playoff conversation. You're really looking at Detroit, Washington, and the Timberwolves as the, I mean, they're the only three teams that haven't won 10 or more games. Everybody else is truly in the playoff conversation. And even those teams are only a few games out. Granted, it's a shortened season, so it's going to be a challenge to get back in. I recognize that. But I mean, we already know that the Wolves don't think they're rebuilding. They're not trying to rebuild. They're probably not trying to tank because of the even if they finish with a top three worst record, a bottom three record, which they have right now, there's still a 60% chance they lose that pick to Golden State. There's no incentive in my mind. I know some people are calling for the Wolves to tank, but you have to start winning at some point. You have to see what you have in Towns and Russell once he gets on the court. So you have to keep trying to win. Now, you don't make a win now move. You don't trade for a guy in an expiring deal, a veteran you know, rotation guy. You don't trade for a Ricky Rubio or an Ed Davis at this point, right? Um, you're looking ahead. You're seeing what pieces you can add to the roster. If we know anything about Gerson Rosas, it's that he wants to be active. He wants to make trades. And even though he doesn't have any picks in this year's draft, which is a huge deal, and we could talk a lot about, about that for a lot of different reasons, um, he has less trade assets in that respect. But there's some tradable pieces on the Wolves roster. We just don't really know um, what, what the value is of some of these pieces. So since we're still pretty early out and there aren't really any too many true rumors out there, any sourced reports about, you know, players that teams are willing to trade or trying to trade, um, I don't want to get too deep in that today. I really just kind of want to set the stage for trade season by talking about the different tiers of, of players that the Wolves have when it comes to the trade front. Um, basically, you've got your young talent on affordable contracts who the Wolves would probably be open to trading, but may just want to make some room for. 
you've got your more veteran players on expiring deals or deals that are super tradable. And then you've got your, your, I don't, I don't want to call them untouchables, but your star, um, you know, grouping of players who likely aren't going to be traded. So let's start there. Carl Anthony Towns is not going anywhere. It's just, he's just not. So there's no use in talking about that. D'Angelo Russell is very, very, very unlikely to go anywhere, mostly because I don't think anybody would give up requisite value for D'Lo at this point. And also because the Wolves have seen him and Carl Anthony Towns share the court five times over the course of now more than a calendar year, basically like 53 weeks, they played five games together. So I don't think D'Lo is going anywhere. If somebody were to offer, well, I don't know. We talked about this as a James Harden possibility several weeks ago. Um, sure. But that's not happening. So D'Lo's not going anywhere. Uh, Malik Beasley is very, very, very unlikely to be traded. His contract uh, bargain's probably not the right word, but it certainly looks like it's on par with what his worth is. Um, and the Wolves obviously wanted him. I don't think he's going anywhere, at least not yet. He could be a piece that could go somewhere in a potential trade for a bona fide superstar in the future, maybe this offseason, maybe next year, depending on how things play out. But I don't think he's going anywhere. Anthony Edwards would be the one player I'd still put in this category because I'd be surprised if they cut bait this fast. Um, because again, they could have traded the first pick to somebody. They could have taken LaMelo ball. Um, they didn't, they want Anthony Edwards on the team and he's shown enough early that unless somebody offers something crazy, he's pretty unlikely to get, to get traded. Um, so I think he falls in that category. So you've got four players in in the category of players that will not be traded. Um, that's towns, Russell, Beasley and Edwards. Now you move into the next category, which is, which is, uh, veteran type players who have a possibility of being moved. Um, number one on that list is, is Ricky Rubio. He's got an expiring $17 million, or excuse me. He has $17 million on his deal next year, um, or 17.8. So he does have one full year left on his deal. It makes it a little bit more difficult to trade him because he's got that one year. Um, and he struggled this year. If he'd been playing extremely well, I would say he's probably unlikely to be traded anyway, but he also would be more likely to be traded because teams of course would be more willing to give up assets for him. But at this stage, it's feeling unlikely that Rubio gets moved unless it's part of a much bigger deal because of his contract and the fact that he hasn't played really well. I do think the Wolves would be willing to move him if the right deal came along. He's certainly not untouchable by any means. It just, it's going to be tough to move that salary, um, Unless the wolves are, and also, what are you getting back if you're trading out that salary? I mean, I guess you said this. We said the same thing with James Johnson. Um, they had very similar cap hits, but uh, you know, it, is Rubio going anywhere? Probably not. But you never know. Um, certainly, Ed Davis is in this category. He's got five million dollars in expiring deal. I don't know that anybody, you know, Davis has been fine in short minutes this year. Clearly, he's getting long in the tooth. I don't even know if he's all the way back from the broken leg injury last year. He just, he looks a little slower than he has in past years, but obviously he's a valuable veteran presence. There's a reason why the Wolves brought him in. So if there's a young team on the cusp of the playoffs, you know, take your pick. I mean, you, you talk about Charlotte, right? Um, teams that could use some front court depth that uh, might want a veteran presence, you know, Sacramento, maybe, I don't know. Um, there's, there's many teams out there that could talk themselves into an Ed Davis trade. And if the Wolves could pick up a second round pick in this year's draft or a future second rounder like they gave up to get him, they would surely do that. Um, two other players in this category, Jake Lehman um, is extremely affordable, has had a up and down season, an up and down Timberwolves career so far. He's got one more year in his deal, uh, but it's only 3.9 million next year. So, I mean, 
I don't know that there's a, that there's anybody that's like really excited to trade for Jake Lehman, but he is somebody that teams would take on as a salary match piece because he's affordable and he's just kind of on a playoff team. He's like a 10th guy, right? He's not a consistent rotation player, but he can play some minutes, defend a little bit, you know, be an athlete, knock down some threes. So he's in that conversation too, although his contract value is so low. Juancho Hernan Gomez has to be in that conversation too, although I'd be shocked if anybody was excited to pay him six and a half million this year based on what he's done so far and an average annual value of seven million over the next two. Now, he's only under contract guaranteed for one more year. Remember, the third year is a team option. So he becomes very tradable this offseason. And and I that's what Gerson Rosas was thinking when he gave him this money was with the option, he becomes tradable likely this offseason because he's an expiring deal going into next season. So I I don't think he goes anywhere this year again because he hasn't played very well and he hasn't been on the court much recently. Um, but you could see him move in the offseason. So that gets us to the younger pieces on the roster that are are tradable and have some value. We'll start with Josh Akogi, who's in his third year, although it feels like he's been on the team forever since he's the longest tenured non-cat player on the team. He's got one more year on his deal uh, that the Wolves already exercised the option next year, which is a little over $4 million. He's getting paid two point six five this year. And then he's eligible uh, for a qualifying offer the following year or an extension off his rookie deal. Obviously, he's had a disappointing year so far. I don't know how much that's really impacted his trade value because I think there's teams that look at this and say, okay, he's a good perimeter defender. He's a good cutter. He's good in transition. The Wolves are simply misusing him offensively. They haven't figured out a way to basically hide him and only use him when, when we need him. You know, whether that's, you know, the Wolves tried playing him at the four and having him sit in the dunker spot, that didn't really work. Um, and defensively, that's not ideal as much as Akogi says he he's willing to play the four and guard the four. It's not great to do that. Um, so I still think he's got pretty similar trade values he did two months ago or one month ago. Jarrett Culver's in that same category. He's, his contract's obviously quite a bit more because he was a top six pick. So he's getting paid 6.1 million this year. He's also still got, um, the two more two more years, including the options on his deal because he was a rookie last year. So he's got two more seasons, next year's options at 6.4 million and has already been picked up. And then he's got one more year at 8.1. So on the one hand, he probably has more value than a Kogi because there's a higher upside. There's still a higher ceiling to Jarrett Culver and he's a good defender. On the other hand, he's far more expensive. And so would you rather, rather have Jarrett Culver at six to 8 million or a Kogi at two to 4 million, two and a half to 4 million. It depends on how, what teams think of Culver's ceiling, right? So that's another player in that conversation. To me, those are the two most tradable assets that both give you a player that you can trade from a contract perspective, can afford to trade from a talent and depth perspective, and teams may be interested in acquiring because of what they bring now defensively and the upside, in Culver's case, of the offense. Um, so to me, those are the most likely players to be traded. Not both of them most likely, but one of the two of them, Culver or Kogi. And then you've got your extremely affordable diamond in the rough type guys. Um, I guess Jade McDaniels is a first round pick. So maybe he's less that, but I'm going to lump him in because he's young. He costs under $2 million this year and he's got a lot of upside. Jared Vanderbilt, former second round pick, Jalen Noel, a Timberwolves second round pick, Nas Reed, an undrafted guy. Um, Jordan McLaughlin, a two-way player, you know, that falls in that same category. Um, None of those guys are likely to go anywhere unless it's as a throw-in. And I think that they all still have a little too much value to be throw-ins. I mean, Jared Vanderbilt's a rotation player. On a playoff team, he could come in and play, you know, probably five to eight to 10 minutes a game as an energy, you know, four who's switchable and can provide you, you know, some rebounding punch and some different things. But I mean, he's got 
a little bit upside still as a true rotation guy who can, you know, he's not a starter in this league most likely, but there's value in Jared Vanderbilt. And at his price, there doesn't make sense to trade him. There's a reason they acquired him a year ago. Jaden McDaniels, the upside is tremendous. He's a rookie. He's on a rookie deal. He's not going anywhere. Jalen Noel, um, I think th- this is the one I want to focus on the most and, and Nas Reed to a lesser extent. But the case I want to make here is that Jalen Noel, even over the past couple of weeks, and if you look at his G League numbers last year, he is the reason why Josh Kogi or Jarrett Culver can be traded. The Wolves have that wing depth now, and obviously you lose something defensively, but the offense for both Culver and Kogi this year has been basically unplayable, but the Wolves haven't had the option, which is why when Jarrett Culver comes back, he's going to have to fight his way into the rotation because Jalen Noel has played so well, um, you know, throughout last Wednesday's or just a couple nights ago, Wednesday's game, he's been fantastic. He scored doubled figures in every game, relatively efficient, efficient. Um, he's been okay defensively. He's been part of some really successful bench lineups. Um, you know, those lineups that are, that are basically what Rubio, Noel, Vanderbilt, Jade McDaniels and often Jake Lehman, sometimes Anthony Edwards with that unit. Um, I mean, Jalen Noel is quickly becoming the reason why Josh Rakogi or Jarrett Culver, they aren't expendable. The Wolves aren't going to give them away, but they're tradable assets that the Wolves can send out to try and gain future draft picks and maybe some other kind of rotation piece in similar way to, um, what the Wolves tried last year when they traded Jeff Teague to get Alan Crabb because they thought Alan Crabb would fit their concept, add a three and D guy, why not? Expiring deal. Worked out terribly, of course. And and obviously a Kogi and Culver are different than an expiring Jeff Teague contract. But that's sort of a deal where you're kind of shuffling deck chairs, maybe picking up a draft pick or two along the way. But you're also going to give some minutes to Jalen Noel. You're going to expand the minutes you're going to give to Jaden McDaniels. You're going to allow Jordan McLaughlin to play more towards the end of the year, um, save some of his games to play some two-guard lineup. See what you have if this team is already, you know, if this team is already not going to make the playoffs. You're not actively tanking. You're just seeing what you have. And if they win, great. That would be awesome. Um, I don't think it's likely they're going to be able to land a superstar um, at this stage you know, at this season, given the assets that they have to trade and what they're willing to trade and the draft picks that they do and don't have at their disposal. So I do want to start to look at potential trade targets that I, you know, many of whom I talked about in the summer, but guys who could still be available that would really move the needle. If the Wolves are going to make a splash like that, what are the names we can look out for? Again, I think it's unlikely, but it doesn't mean we can't talk about it. We can't look ahead and see what a deal like that could look like. So, um, that's like a super early trade primer based on the Wolves roster, but there are plenty of guys on this roster who are movable. Uh, there's really only those four Towns, Russell, Beasley, Edwards that are very unlikely to be traded. Everybody else has a real possibility of being moved um, or at least would be tradable in the right deal. So um, we'll definitely talk a lot more about that kind of increasingly as we get closer to the, to the all-star break and then to the trade deadline as well. So um, keep an eye out for that as we move ahead. That's all we have for you on today's show. We will have a, a, a post game show this weekend on Wolves Hornets should be a great game with towns available, not on the injury report. D'Angelo Russell is out. Um, but of course, the mellow ball playing uh, for Charlotte 
Ball versus Edwards, Towns on the floor from Minnesota should be a fun game. So stay tuned for a post-game episode. Um, pay attention for that. Otherwise, that's all we have for you today. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. Of course, Locked on Wolves is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And the Locked on Network is, of course, your local experts on the biggest stories. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you like to get podcasts, including iTunes, where we would love a review if you're so inclined, as well as Spotify and anywhere else. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T Wolves. That's at Locked on T Wolves. Don't forget the T and at B Beacon, B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C K E N. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.